Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Step Better podcast. I'm your host, Mike Schaefer, and with me, uh, as most weeks he is, it's Matthew Patrick. Um, so really, really appreciate you guys taking the time to, to, to listen to us today. Today is the first episode in February. So we finally turned the corner on January and all of the fun things that has to happen in January. So here's how we're going to start. In January, the one thing that really, really, really got relied on by our team to help us pull through the month was coffee. Coffee is a uh, big time topic. We've talked a little bit about it on the podcast There's before something, something in it a lot of times. about different flavors and who likes what and, and whatnot. It uh, can be a bit competitive. Um, about what coffee we're brewing and the flavors that we're brewing. And as much as we pick on Becky on this podcast, we fired her multiple times, um, all kinds of stuff. Becky, on the podcast as an example. <laughs> never in real life. Never in real life. Never in real life. Um, Becky is the person who keeps our coffee, coffee flowing. She does. Uh, and so She is the coffee commander. By some people, she's hated. By some people, she's loved solely based on what flavors of coffee she puts out in the morning time. We have a lot of coffee. And in though, the aftertime. So, yeah, we have yeah. like... Four, four different flavors four going at time. Yeah. So here's the deal. We um, this week we got a new flavor of coffee. It's called Mardi Gras King Cake, which uh, I want the job of naming coffee flavors. But it is a vanilla and cinnamon kind of flavor. I haven't tasted it yet. We've had um, some positive feedback on it so far. We'll see how it goes. But my question to you, Matt, is how do you like your coffee? My coffee is pretty simple. Um... I have some uh, zero cal salted caramel, uh, like sweetener and creamer. That I like to I like half and half, simple half and half, not too overly sweet. How but much creamer do you put in your coffee? I probably more creamer than than sweet. I like the, the creaminess of the coffee. Um, traditionally, though, I do Splenda and cre- and creamer. Um, I needed to not taste super much like coffee, but just enough that I know it's coffee. I like it hot, though. It has to be like burn my mouth. It's hot. more like, like you like hot creamer. Kind of. I mean, I, I mean, it's not like in, the, in a cup, it's like, you know, 90% coffee and 10% creamer. Hot, bitter creamer. Yeah, but, I, but it has to be super hot. The moment it's not hot, it's undrinkable. Do you uh, microwave your coffee to reheat it or is I it have in the done trash? that, but I also, I mean, the key there is a good, you got to have a good like Yeti, Yeti coffee cup or something like that. Yeah. So, but you're okay microwaving your coffee to heat it back up? If I have to. If you have I don't to. love it, but it's not, I'll yeah. drink it. I'll, I will. I do. I, if it gets too, I don't have a problem drinking colder coffee. So as it cools down, I'll still drink it until it's gone. Um, I will how never, about, ever put it in the microwave. How about cold coffee? I'll still drink cold coffee. Oh, blah, 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 I don't like no, iced no, coffee. No, no. Like those iced coffee drinks that, like. That's not coffee. To me, that's, that's my, now that's I Maddie. could say some, some things about that. Maddie's favorite is an iced coffee from Duncan. I mean, she is. All the all, snowflakes running around drinking iced coffee Maddie is too loves much it. for me, and, man. And she is a, addicted. So she loves uh, it's caramel macchiato, what she does. And she, Starbucks. But or, iced. Uh, she'll do it iced. She mainly does it yeah. iced. Yep. Um, Mallory doesn't drink coffee. Mason doesn't drink coffee. Mason likes hot chocolate, though. He'll drink some <laughs> heck out of some hot chocolate. Um, we have, uh, Manny's a big cup. Manny drinks three, four cups a day. Yeah. I'd probably drink three, four cups a week. Yeah. I'm more of a, I love a Coca-Cola in the morning. There's nothing better than a good cold <laughs> ice Coca-Cola in the morning. But uh, we have a lot of coffee drinkers in the office. We found real quick that, holy crap. So coffee's a big deal around here. We need to make sure we, we need to up our game. So we need to get coffee from, service. We had a Keurig yeah, that, that 
we, st- we were churning through K cups like crazy. I'm like, man, this is expensive. We're just burning through K cups. It's as like fast the equivalent possible. of like forty five dollars for a pound of coffee when you yeah. go the K cup yeah. route. Uh, and everybody was, you know, one K cup per cup, which is honestly, if you got a K, that's the only way to do it. Those people yeah. who run a K cup more do... than once is that's not coffee, right? You you're you're institutionalized in my yeah, mind. That's not coffee. That's you shouldn't do that. Then we got our, then we got like the you make your own coffee K cup. You put coffee in the K cup. The reusable K cups. Yeah. yeah, that worked okay. We still were burning through like a, a, a massive amount. Then we end up having. Multiple regular coffee makers. <laughs> then we end up getting some big urn thing that you burn yourself on when you touched. That never like, turned off. It was never turned off. It didn't have any self off. So it was basically just this massive urn. And I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. Hazard. And I went, and then the people were like, run a coffee or the coffee's burn or whatever. I'm like, forget it. So I called all the coffee places. By the way, in Memphis, if you could return phone calls to coffee places, you'd make a fortune in Memphis. Yeah. Um, but Community Coffee returned my call after a couple of days. It was great. And we got community coffee now and they've done a great job since we've got them we love it yeah and now we have mardi gras king cake coffee so we always have a light or normal like a breakfast roast a dark roast we have our signature blend our we signature have our blend breakfast i'm very very intimately familiar with our coffee flavors <laughs> breakfast blend signature blend we have a holiday flavor um or i guess a seasonal flavor seasonal flavor and then we have a pecan praline which is legit no it's not it's, it's terrible good. oh it's good i like the praline <laughs> no it's not so I did a poll uh, on Slack a, um, a couple of maybe six weeks ago, and what I learned is that we had at the time, we had one person in the office that preferred breakfast blend over signature blend. That me? It was Greg. No, oh. it was Greg. <laughs> um, I made fun of him multiple times because of it. And the, the reason I did the poll was as a back-end way to convince everybody to quit making multiple pots of the breakfast blend, <laughs> mainly Becky. Because nobody liked it as much. So I would, you know, our signature blend is out and our breakfast blend is full because nobody likes that crap. And so um, it finally got to the point where, because back then we were only doing one, we were either doing breakfast blend or signature blend. And so that was my way of saying, hey. look, guys, we need to get the better coffee going every day. <laughs> and now Becky does a great job of making, we have literally so four Mike big is tariffs. Our, Mike is our coffee snob we just found out that mike is our coffee snob got it i'm not the coffee snob super passive aggressive about asking for help of hey mike you know you can make your own pot of coffee right you put the coffee in the thing the button it's real complicated i have a confession to make you don't know how to make now that we have our coffee service they've brought in a a big machine thing and we have these big it is one button i don't know how to do it it's filter i don't know pour the coffee in push the button the water is in there that's it i don't don't know that's it it says start you know, what I do is I uh, – Hey, Becky, we're out of coffee. There you go. Oh, Becky man. Her early or you everybody. say it loud enough. You go, oh, we're out of that coffee. Yeah, you, go to, the, you go to the machine later. and you push it. It's like, oh, no. It's, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. oh, I bet somebody heard me. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Just say it loud I've enough. I've never done somebody, that one. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe I should. You've uh, done that. Uh, I've never done that. <laughs> I need to learn how to make the coffee. You don't, you don't like the pecan praline? I don't like the pecan praline. It's not sweet. I don't like flavored coffee. It's not sweet. I don't like flavored coffee. I don't care if it's sweet or not sweet. It's just like a roast of pecans. I don't know. It's like, it's like a drinking like a uh, an amber beer. I like or a pecan black beer. coffee. Nothing in it. That sounds disgusting. And so, <laughs> whenever the signature blend, which is the dark roast, runs out, then I will drink the breakfast blend. Um, and then if that's out, I will drink the pecan praline. But the whole time I'm doing, it, I'm thinking, man, he's also that dark roast should have been never there. going to make his own pot. I just, somebody needs to teach me. Okay. It literally is like one button. <laughs> Come on, bro. Maybe I need to. 
Maybe I need to. Anyway. I, I think you're smart enough to figure it out without anybody teaching you. I probably could if I put the effort <laughs> into it. But, uh, man. Brought to you by I really appreciate Community Coffee. Becky's uh, coffee-making skills. Uh, you do a great job. It, it requires a lot of talent. I'm not sure that was actually to push it's that not button. in her KRA. It. Well, it's not in her job description. She does that out of the goodness of her own heart. You know, she's not our coffee queen. On per, and she does it because she likes it, helping yeah. everybody out. Or at least that's what we tell ourselves because no, she does. She it always every makes day. coffee. It was like Tammy did it for a long time too. Tammy did, yeah. And Tammy didn't even drink coffee. I don't think Becky drinks coffee. You don't drink coffee. You know, I'm a mate. I didn't know that. Do you drink tea? Okay. Because that's yeah, like, but, I think I've seen her. So, okay. oh, yeah. man. That's, so she's literally just something. doing it because she's nice. I really appreciate it, By the Becky. way, Becky's super nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, enough about coffee. Um, if you guys out there are coffee lovers. Um, coffee snobs like a, Mike. Or favorite blend. Or you're not smart enough to use a coffee maker. <laughs> send, send us a message. <laughs> no, don't send us a message. <laughs> send us a sample of your favorite blend of coffee. And, uh, and we will taste it. We'll have a whole tasting and we'll have a... a we may even bring it to the – who knows what we We should give a shout-out to creative. our coffee co- – we have a client, Ascension Coffee. Ascension Coffee in if Dallas. If you've never tried it – They're good. They, they can get they're, it on the Amazons. Yeah. They, they're they all over the interwebs, coffee. and uh, their coffee is amazing. Yeah. And so Ascension Coffee in Dallas. They do. Yeah, they are, they are really good. And if you're in the Dallas area, go eat at Ascension Coffee because it is really good food, too. cafe stuff, yeah. Yeah, great place. All right. Enough about coffee. Um, let's just all agree that black oh. coffee is the best. <laughs> Dark roast is better than light. And to the extent that you disagree, you're wrong. So creamer. let's move on. Lots of creamer. Let's move on. Cre- I, you know, you're going to get me started. This is a triggering event, talking about creamer. <laughs> um, my wife likes creamer. That's right. Your so, wife's smart. I don't know what happened to you. I don't know. I, I, we could probably carry this on. But yes, we, we probably, sh- we probably we, should. And I don't even know what We have more is. important topics to talk about. <laughs> and that we um, talked about a couple weeks ago in our webinar. We were talking about the new studio and I love the new, new studio. And then it was like, oh, by the way, we actually have to talk about this we, whole we PVP thing. So today we're going to talk about, th- this is actually something that you wanted to talk about a little bit. Yeah, I did. Um, one of the things that we have talked over and struggled with through the years as, as well as we've heard a lot of different other business owners and, and leaders talk about and struggle with over multiple years is um, developing leaders inside of your organization to take on responsibility. But m- more so than that, um, a lot of small businesses are hamstrung by the fact that the owner or maybe a key couple of people is where everything bottlenecks. Um, They're not either willing to give up responsibility. They don't know how to give up responsibilities. They don't know how to develop people to get to the point where they are comfortable giving responsibilities. And because of that, it can really limit your ability to grow. Um, And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, some of the things that we've done and how we've kind of I'm not going to say perfected this by any means. We have not perfected it. But we have, uh, we we've, kinda, we've had some hurdles that we've gotten over with we this. We are intentional about it. And we try our best to, to make leadership development a, uh, a priority. It's not it just something be, yeah. that mm-hmm. we, we uh, hope happens, but it's something that we actually right. try to make happen. So, um, Matt, I want you to start off with sharing a little bit about your story, how you have kind of evolved over the years from, I am a CPA running uh, kind of a, where I'm the, the single employee person doing all of the work to evolving into, yes, I happen to be a CPA, but I actually just operate and own an accounting firm where I have a team of people that are around me doing some of that work. Yep. Um, uh, started the firm, obviously had no idea uh, how to be an owner and just knew that I had to get the work done. and. 
you, I, in the very beginning, I kept thinking I just need help. And I would even say it that way. I need help. I need help to get my work done, not our work done. I need help. You do this step, and then I will finish it. It would be my work. Um, over time, we grew and developed. We hired people. And still, a lot of times, I was the person or the face of the interaction with the client. So the client's main point of contact was me. All questions the client had went to me. All employee questions went to me. Those things over time, you just can't handle it anymore. You just, I'm not, not from a physically, not mentally, mentally probably too, but physically, not enough time of the day. You mm -hmm. can't service everybody you want to serve. You can't scale the way you want to scale. It takes um, a hiring people that you know are qualified to do the job. In the beginning, you kind of hire out of desperation sometimes and your budget's limited and you don't even know what you need and you even haven't had systems in place yet. But over time, we've done a really good job of finding super talented people that can do the job. From there, it's identifying people that you know that you can trust completely because you're giving up a responsibility. Even in the very beginning, as we hired people, we did our best to transition relationships from me to a client. So it'd be, hey, I'd copy the manager on the job. Hey, Jen, can you send this to Steve or then Steve or Steve calls in and asks for me. I just give the call right over to Jen and say, Jen, call Steve back. Tell him I told you to give him a call. Here's the, I may even give her the answer that she goes now and gives to Steve so that the next time Steve has a question, she's gonna he may just go ask Jen. Even if he You're asks trying me again, to establish the rhythm of this other person in my office as somebody that's an acceptable person for you to talk to. Correct. And I don't even care if Jen gets the question, doesn't know the answer, comes to me, gets the answer, goes back to Jen. Now, I want Jen to have the answer. That's ideal. But we want everybody to use all the resources of their, of their mm -hmm. availability, and I'm one of those. Um, over time, Steve now has a relationship with Jen. And that was the goal early on. It was to develop a relationship of our team to a client that wasn't me. That took a long time and I still grab relationships back and I still do a poor job sometimes of telling Jen to answer this call instead of me just answering it or whatever. And I still have client relationships to this day and I wanna have those relationships with our clients, but their day-to-day -day can't be me. If they wanna be best served, it better not be me. Um, I want them to be exceptionally served and unfortunately my time is so spread out, I can't exceptionally serve them yeah. the way I want to. That takes um, me being better about delegation and inclusion when a question comes up and making sure that I don't have a one-off phone call with a, with a client that doesn't include the manager or the staff or the payroll team, or whoever it may be. From there though, it was the development. I got to have leaders. I've got people I can trust. And so um, you start off as a staff accountant here. Mm -hmm. Kim started off as a staff accountant here. Um, uh, Shelby started off as a sales outside salesperson. My wife was an, is an admin and um, we have Sandy, who's our tax director, who we part of our merger. But identifying the people that I can truly trust, but also know that they're going to own the work and the process. Um, once, once those things kind of people have developed over time and my trust has been built up, it's easy for me to relinquish that. I know, okay, I'm not abdicating it. I know that also if any of those leaders have an issue, they're going to raise their hand and come back and ask questions of the leadership team or me or they're also going to hold me accountable. You know, part of this whole thing is a two-way street of accountability. Yeah. Um, I'm holding them accountable to their job, and they're holding me accountable to, to support them. 
Um, no one's on an island, but I think that's where it starts. It starts with you have to develop that trust and rapport, and then you know you have to you know hold them accountable to doing their job. Yeah, there is a shift for any anybody out there it running was a business. Game changing from myself. moving from a solopreneur to an entrepreneur, where I am in our world managing clients to managing a team of people internally so that they can go manage clients. And there's two sides that I, that I think about in that, in that transaction you have in your role as the first chair leader, some things, character qualities, responsibilities, things about your day that you have to take care of that you fully own um, as it relates to what you do intrinsically as well as extrinsically. And that's different than the people that you have to surround yourself with uh, because they're going to have to have things that they do, character qualities, who they are, what they're doing, all those things that they have to manage intrinsically and extrinsically as, as, as well. One of the things that, that has to happen, because like you mentioned, it's kind of a flywheel approach. As you start to trust and delegate and release and you start to trust and delegate release, there's a little bit of rhythm and, and momentum that builds up to the point where you can finally say, I think I have something here and I can start to slowly take a little bit of step back from what I'm trying to develop my leader to, to take on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really important thing that it's the hard. first chair leader has to, has to be able to do. And to the extent that they're not willing or not able to do that, then none of this matters because you're never going to be able to actually bring a team of people around you to, to help you get to that next step. It, the hardest thing to do for me is not try to help. I'm trying to help them, but by helping them, I'm actually hurting them. And I, I catch myself doing it. You guys have called me out on it before. I'll pick something back up with the intent of trying to help, or I'll stay too involved in something I shouldn't be involved in. I end up meddling with it and hurting the process, not helping the process. I have to let my leaders be leaders. And, I'm, and, and, it, yeah. and, it's, and it's something that, it's a challenge. It's not intentional by me. I'm really trying, it's genuine that I want to help, but it, can come across sometimes I'm not helping. I just want my leaders to call me out on it when it happens. Yeah. There, from your, on your end, there has to be a release of responsibility that comes with that. And so if you're developing somebody to take on, let's say that I want to develop a person to take over as my VP of sales or you know whatever the title is, my head of sales, then at some point I have to be able to say, I've taught you everything I could teach you. I trust your skill set. I trust your ability to handle things. And I'm going to have a release of you're now the person and I'm going to support you. Um, you're not supporting me anymore. I'm supporting you. And that comes with the understanding that person will never, ever, ever do the job exactly like you would have. And that has to be okay. It is. And what I've also found is I've done that better, that Man, they do the job so much better than I ever did, could have done it myself. Sometimes. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, luckily we have been. I mean, I feel very comfortable that everybody's done it. You know, I look at what Sandy's done, what you've done, what Kim's done, what Mandy's done, and what Shelby's done. And I look at all those people and go, guys are doing so much better job than I've done it myself. Because I would have been pulled thin. Because would, you aren't six ha- people. I'm not six people. Yeah. And also my strengths aren't in all those areas. And so it is eye-opening to me as I let people have control over area. Now, granted, there's stuff that they wouldn't handle like I would, like you said, yeah. or they're not doing it as how I would do it. But they go, and the result was better than I probably would have had myself. I think about it from the standpoint. It's hard, though. That's hard. You, you could have done parts. You can do parts. I can still do parts. Of any one of our jobs better than we can. 
but you can't do the entire job better than we can simply because I don't have time. I'm one person to do all of these things. You're one person to do all of these things for six people. And that's, that's just not possible. Math doesn't work like that. There's not enough time in the day. Yeah. I have my strengths from my background. So I have a tendency, probably the area that's still jumping in more than I should. And that's where Kim should hold me better accountable. I'd say is the management of the accounting team. Just because, and now granted, Kim is pulled in a million different directions yeah. right now. So I'm trying to help her, but I end up still thinking I probably don't help her as well as I could. I probably should let her handle that more. Yeah. I could probably almost throw her to the wolves better. and She'd probably be better than my help at this point. When I always think about it from the standpoint of whenever you, and not, whenever a leader pulls back and says, all right, sink or swim, I'm not going to be, I'm not jumping in is at the point where you finally have that release to say it's yours. Yep. And that's a hard place to get. The leaders have to take it with that mentality that I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm struggling with it right now. I'm just thinking about it. It's the, I don't want them to feel like they're on an Island and they have no help and support. Mm-hmm. I want them to know that we're still here, but God, I want them to take it and own it and run with it and figure it out. You know, if they need to bounce an idea off me, great. And then you're going to go, they're going to go execute it, not me execute it with them. And so we still have that challenge. I think a little bit in that um, I'm still meddling. That's my own, my own mindset there. And I'm probably meddling more, probably more with Sandy and Kim, just because my background is more on the mm-hmm. accounting technical. And they both are super talented. I shouldn't, I don't need to jump in. I just need to be here if they need me. And that's and probably just, just my own It's easy to break out of problems. that, though, because, I mean, you've been doing this for 15 years, and the, uh, the, you've done every job that they would ever do. And at some point, you know that you could jump in and do that one job well, maybe sometimes better than they, them, sometimes not as good as them, but you know you could get the job mm-hmm. done. And you know that you have the drive to whatever it takes to get it done, but I that's stealing well. their ability to actually do it. Correct. And, and that's not... You know, that's ultimately not what you're trying to build towards. Correct. Um, it's hard. That is because that's my back. Like with payroll in your world, I really don't feel like I jump in very much there to in meddle with your operational side. I actually probably don't meddle there at all. Sales, I have typically worn that hat a little bit with our leadership of sales. Mm-hmm. As Shelby's got that role, she owns that completely. Mm-hmm. I stay the heck out of her way. She just asks me a question. I go, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is fantastic. And so it is, it's just, I have, accounting is still in my blood. Yeah. And so I have a tendency to want to jump in. It, and so, I still have some client responsibility, so it's not like it's gone completely away. You, d- you do. But to that point, what I always. I need to get rid of those, by the way. What I always tell. Kim, we're going to have to have a meeting later. <laughs> what about, I always tell Kim is when that starts to happen, as I say, hey, Kim, it's your responsibility as the leader of this part of our company when Matt comes in to tell him no. Yep. And you have to be able to, because one of the things that I do appreciate about the, the way that you have structured everything, the way that you lead is when you, you do, you sometimes want to jump in and do something. But if somebody ever comes up to you and say, Hey, Matt, I got this. You need to go away. Then, okay, I'm out. Then, you, then that, that speaks to you and you're okay with that. I need, I mean, it's, I, I do it generally going to help. Yeah. If I'm not helping, that means I'm hurting. If you think I'm hurting, I'm out. I'm okay with that. Yeah. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I also say, if you need my help, tell me what to do. I'll do it. Yeah. If you ask me to do something, no matter what it is, I'm going to do it. Yeah. If it means, you know, I have to stay till four in the morning, then let's, let's go. I'm right here with you. Yeah. That's my job as the owner. That's what I look at. That's my responsibility. Support the team to make stuff happen. I will 
I am 100% in on whatever they need my help with. And that's the difference between where you are today and where you were 15 years ago, because 15 years ago, there was, it was a, whatever I do to get that work done. Was, it was the same mentality. And there was a portion of that, that everything is on your shoulder. So here's, here's where I'm getting to today. You have a team of people that are really leading different divisions and, or, you know, parts of the organization and your responsibilities primarily, not fully, but primarily yeah. just to support those people doing In that. Theory, yes. Um, Whereas Once PPP is finally over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a different story. Yeah, but I'm, the, a, I'm the PPP team leader, by the way. <laughs> you are the PPP team. By the way, team. I'm also the PM, PPP team. <laughs> Me and Mandy. Mandy's been awesome. Yeah. yeah. She, she's been doing a lot of work on it. But um, what I was getting to with that is we kind of already have that established. If you rewind to five, 10 years ago, before that was established here, and, and if you know, you're out there listening and you have a, maybe it's an accounting firm or you have a, a service uh, business or even you know, a retail firm, whatever it is where you don't have that group of people around you that you can really trust and lean on, where do you start? How do you begin to build towards this? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, you think back to where we were five years ago, how did we deform our leadership team? What, what went through that process? If you think about it, first of all, we identified our roles and we talked about our org structure and the best way to handle things going forward. Um, it did not happen overnight because we had people, we had, you know, we had people in theory in positions below the role they would want them to be in. I mean, you were head of our payroll division. We had people that had been here longer than you, but the best seat for you going forward was as our COO, which is in my mind is the, you manage all things people and everything on the back office side on both sides of the fence. Well, there's some politics there. There's some conflict there. Then you have, you know, we had a manager that had been a manager longer than Kim. But Kim showed the leadership skills we wanted, the process. She manages our processes exceptionally. She trains clients exceptionally well. She onboards clients exceptionally well. And the role that she needed to be in was as our leader of our accounting team, even though she did not have the most experience yeah. as a manager. Those things took time. I mean, it's it, there, obviously there's – I could have pulled band off a lot faster there, but there's definitely me walking a little bit on broken glass trying to get there. But the reality was we all had an idea where we were trying to head to. There was an intentional decision made that we can't keep doing what we're doing. We have to develop people to get to the point where we have a team of leaders that are doing some of this work or we're at our ceiling. Correct. This we, isn't going anywhere else. Yeah. And luckily, we never hit the ceiling. We kept growing at the same pace we want to grow on, but we also had the mentality that we were going to scale it up. And so um, we, had, we had all the seats identified and we had the right people. We, we had the right people on the team. We had to figure out how to get them into that seat. That just took a little bit of time. I'd say about a year and a half, probably get total evolution. But um, it has been a game changer for us. Mm -hmm. it, it has allowed us to continue our growth trajectory the way we've been on. I mean, we've doubled every couple of years for the last six years. We've doubled in size every other year, basically. Um, this year is a little bit challenging with pandemic. We won't quite double, but we'll be close over a two and a half year period of time. We would have doubled. And our Payroll business exceptionally has been growing tremendously well, but it is one of those things where it's only able to do that because we have a multiplier effect. Yeah, you know, you, we have leaders that can control areas, which takes a lot of burden off of the other area, other leaders. So if you were running accounting and payroll and tax, you'd have the same trouble. So I need absolutely I need multiple people to do these. Absolutely, things. it's not about finding one person that you can offload all of these responsibilities to. Correct. It's about finding the right team of people. That can what, handle that segment of those responsibilities. What leaders do you need in your organization to have? And then how do you find and develop them? And I, I would say this, because 
you know, I've had a couple of conversations with other accounting firms out there about um, some of these types of things. How do I get find the right people to take on different responsibilities? And sometimes that comes back to, hey, I have this person right now, and they're the leader of this segment, whatever it is. And I know that I will never get to the point where they will actually really be a leader. They're, 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 the, they're the number one best doer, but they're never going to be a leader. Whenever, whenever those words come out of your mouth, you need to understand that you got to pivot somewhere. It, it may not necessarily mean getting rid of that person. It may mean bringing somebody else on to, that you're recruiting specifically for that leadership position we've or developing somebody we've, we've else. We've had that happen before. Like people are in a manager role, that they're good at managing a client, which is fantastic, which is super important. They're not necessarily good at managing the whole team. Yeah. So just because they're the most experienced manager doesn't make them the ideal fit for the role of the leader of that team. Right. They're different mindsets. It's, hey, I want to make sure all of our client, all of our people are trained the same way. All of our clients are being handled the same way. That's not about client service on a one-on-one basis. You take exceptionally well care of a client. That is super important. But it doesn't mean you're the best person for the leadership role that is over that whole team. And that's a very hard conversation to have with the person who's been there the longest. And that's what yeah. we struggle with internally. Yeah. That was what we, you know, as the person been here as a leader, as a, as a manager for us, she was a great at managing clients, but she was not necessarily great at following processes and making sure everybody's on the same page and then also training and develop everybody around her. Yeah, your leadership team is going to be involved with motivating and encouraging the other people around them to get better. And sometimes that there's a discipline component to that. Sometimes it's just simply an attaboy and everything in between. Your leadership team is not the best doers that you have out there. It's the people that are going to be able to lift the entire boat. And to the extent they don't do that, if you have a person on your team is really awesome, they're a rock star, but nobody, they don't move the needle for anybody else, that person's not going to be a successful leader. They don't have that, that skill set in them. Right. And so to be able to identify that is really important. But then to get them into a position where you then allow them to make decisions and impact change and start to put their own little stamp on things is really important. Because if, you, if, the, if the main leader, the first chair leader, can't get to the point where you empower your, your second chair leaders, there's no leadership that's going to be happening. Yep. So you are, I'll say this in my Hamilton conversation, you are my Alexander Hamilton to my George Washington. I think we should sing this entire next I segment. I can do it. Dun, 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 dun. No. Uh, it has been my go-to music uh, in the background as I work on PPP. You're loans. saying that I am the A-L-E-X-A-N-D-E-R. We are meant to be. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're, I don't have the tag. over there like, what is going on? We're, 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 delete, we're deleting that out of we're here. We're off the rails. Yeah. Edit, edit, edit. Edit, edit. No, but like, honestly, no. you are the right hand uh, of the firm, and you are what we would call a second cheerleader mm-hmm. in our in our HR vernacular what a how do you how, how did you get into that role that you that was the right how, how did you decide how do we get you into that role yeah but also what do you see as kind of your um what are your what are your big keys for you to do in that role i um how i got here is one day you uh you said hey mike let's talk let's go to lunch and i'm thinking <laughs> Okay. Let's not do that. Yeah. Um, No, not really. It's never been a bad conversation. Yeah. Um, And and essentially, you said, "Hey, what do you think about taking this on and uh, leading our at that time that our payroll department? You triple my salary. I'm into it. (laughs) Yes. So let's start to negotiate. No. Um. 
my I, re I remember this conversation yeah, we were very well and still. my uh my response was simply this i will do this if you let me do it yep meaning i'm not going to do it your way i'm going to do it my way that's kind um, of what you said no doubt about it i remember the conversation too and if we're that's sitting in my office okay, at forest till i read then yep. I'm, I'm not in and that was that was just my way of simply saying I want to do this, but I, I will not be successful if I have to carry out everything that you want me to. I mean, if I'm going to be your doer, yeah. and, you, and if you want me and to do it, I have to be able to do it. that was the best thing you could have said to me. And so— And I hopefully I've lived up to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah if you hadn't, we would have definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. talked about it. Um, but, but when, and we agreed that, all right, let's, let's give this a shot. And I've been extremely successful in my role. And, you know— um, like we said earlier, our apparel business is important, and that's all, all because of Mike. No it one is, else on our team nobody, at all. Nobody, nobody. They no one are else. terrible. I mean, sales doesn't do anything, and the team doesn't do anywhere. It's great. Yeah. It's um, all Mike. Mike, Mike, Mike. That's right. That's right. Uh, I need a, um, a studio just for me. That's right. So, this is Mike's studio. It's been renamed. This is the Mike Schaefer Show. Um, yeah. No, because we're going around time if I keep uh, joking around like that. The, uh, so, essentially— that's how that's I mean, that's really how it got here. And that was just simply because you you had a vision of what you knew payroll could be. Um, you knew I had some experience in payroll. Um, you knew that I had some leadership skills. And so it, it, it made sense. The where I'm at now is different than where I was then, because yep. whenever I first started taking on the payroll department, there was still a bit of um, I had to prove myself to you before you could incrementally release, 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 release to the point where you felt comfortable of, hey, there's somebody else that's running this division of my, yep. of my company. Um, and so now it's just really ultimately on the daily trying to continue that. I want to bring up, because if I don't, I'm going to get to where you were <laughs> and say everything falls on me and now I have to... You need, your next one is to develop another paralleler. I have to find, yeah. And so right... Continue, so, I'm sorry. Continue yeah, to so what I'm leaders. doing now is, is finding those other leaders that are going to come up and, and fill those spots. And it's something that we talk about a lot in, uh, in our HR on-ramp series, the, the idea of, of developing leaders and from, a, from the perspective of HR. And um, second chair leaders, which is essentially what my role is, we talk about the concept of being both deep and wide. Because when you're a second chair leader, there's an expectation that is you're going to be that, that first person that hears some of the complaints and you're going to be the first person that, uh, that gets to deliver the good news a lot of times. And there's those two sides of the coin are going to create relationships with your team that are sometimes good and sometimes negative because um, you get to be seen as, as well, you know, now you're the leader. And so there's some things that I can't necessarily talk to you about because there's just always that in, in people. Um, but then there's the, also you get the really important conversation. And so the idea of being deep and wide is really centered on the idea that I have to try to be all things to all people at all times and be able to have conversations based on their needs and meet them where they are and help them get one step better. Because without that, then what, what are you really doing as a leader? Um, deep and wide is, is an interesting way to think of it right you it's still the old sunday school song but it is the idea that you're kind of like a master trait you know you have to know a little bit of everything about the whole firm yeah and you have to know your area really 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 well you're also you know you're making sure that you're you're like i i'm a pulse taker i'd say i'd be sure everybody feels like they're comfortable how you do and checking in with people 
but you're doing that same thing behind me or with me mm-hmm. is how are things going? What can I do to help you? Where are you at? You know, you're doing pulse checking pretty regularly. Always. Yeah. Always. And that's, that's formal and informal. I hear things that just chatter from walking down the hall, or I have people that, um, you know, in our one-on-ones, they bring up issues that are, you know, I guess in a more formal setting that we could need to talk sy- about it this. It could be a one issue. It could be systemic. It could be. Yeah. And whatever. so I always got to be on the lookout of what's really going on in the company. Because ultimately, now in my chair, now I am responsible to fixing the things that need to get fixed uh, and to help everybody get better. Yep. And then, so that's what I think is first, you know, first, one of the first people, you know, just making sure our people are um, being heard and we're improving things and listening to all the, the issues that happen. What, what other things kind of are kind of come up with, with this? Yeah, so there's four things that we talk about in OnRamp for second chair leaders. And you mentioned one, the, the pulse taker, that's yep. got to happen. Yep. Um, if you want to be a second chair leader, you have to have a good understanding in all departments and all, all, all sections of the company, kind of what's going, what's the pulse of the company? How are people doing, generally speaking? Is everything going well? Is it going bad? Is it going uphill, downhill? All that type of stuff. And you do that both formally and informally. Um, the second thing we talk about is a vision amplifier. The second chair leader is in a unique spot to be the champion of the vision of the first chair leader. And so um, to the extent that you have this great big vision of where things are heading, it's my responsibility to be your number one fan and echo that to everybody out there. It's giving you validity. You have to interpret it, document it, and then amplify it. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. Sometimes, sometimes. But I have to echo that. And to the extent that I can't get behind that vision, I need to go find a different job. Your second chair leader is in in a position to be able to do that in a way that brings that vision validity, but it's also echoing that to everybody else to say, get on the bus or, or go somewhere else. Yep. Um, a leader multiplier, what we talked about is, yep. uh, even though you're the second chair leader, doesn't mean that the third chair, fourth chair, all those other spots don't exist. And so you have to develop those people. And then the last one is a gap filler, where um, the second chair leader has to be able to identify the leadership holes in their first chair and say, hey, you know what? My first chair leader is really weak in ABC. And that means that I need to be very mindful of that and find ways to both support my leader in those ways, um, but also point those out whenever those are yeah, being exposed. And, and that is something you've done. What I, that's one of my bless, many blessings in your, you and your role is that I do feel like we complement each other. You do a wonderful job of managing our people through um, improvement. And it's not an area I do well. And... Um, I think I'm a tinkerer and I'm a, uh, I may be a little more, more, all right, what's next? And you are very much of, let's get this process down and then let's figure out what's next. Yeah. And that part, I lose, I lose a little interest sometimes. Yeah. Cause we gotta, a lot I mean, of times. we gotta be able to carry those things out, uh, to their, to the extent that they're yeah. actually going to help our clients. Cause if we don't, Correct. then no time. we're not really helping, helping anybody. And if we're not helping people, then we're not really living out our values. Um, and so. Uh, it's really important to do those things. And these aren't things that, um, that are, you know, if you have people in your company right now that you look at and you say, man, I just don't see anybody that has any characteristics of leadership. That may be true, but also that may be you looking through the wrong lens. Yep. Of, because sometimes I hear there's nobody in my company that's actually like that right now. And really what they're saying is I have a, uh, an issue of giving up control and authority to the people in my organization. Or I've hired very poorly. It can be. And I have no trust in my people yet. It can be. And trust is a two-way street. 
And so that means like someone like you're not trusting them and they're probably not trusting you. And so you have to, div- you have to have a conversation with that person and say, Hey, you know, and, and we've had that, you know, leaders, we have people in our organization that are not leaders. Mm-hmm. And if not, you have to identify them and you have to, you have to go find them. But it, it is a, what a multiplier effect it has allowed us to have. And it allows me to have a better control over our organization as we continue to grow. And I'm assuming, you know, if we double again, and if we've doubled in size in the last two or three years, we double size again, I have to find more leaders. To yeah. And that's how, that's just how this has to work. Um, and as we continue to hit our goals, it's going to be where we have to keep one of our biggest goals is developing our people. And this is where, this is where it starts. Yeah. One of my mentors back in grad school, one of the things they always would say is it's one thing, you know, you can go out to the world and be a leader and do really well for, your success, for, for yourself. Um, but if you really want to make an impact and you really want to make a change, then you need to become a leader of leaders that reproduces leaders. Um, and so the, your ability to affect change is limited by the time that everybody has. And so you have to find a way to do that that's going to have the most impact. And ultimately, developing leader makers is going to do that much more than just developing leaders. Yeah, I would recommend, you know, um, there's a number of good books on, on, on this, but um, you know, idea is just being intentional. Think about your idea of, I want to help and identify leadership of our firm or business or whatever service business you're in. You know, if you have managers, you have to do management training. You yeah. have, if you're, already, if you're a restaurant and you've had managers in place, they're not operating the way you want to, that's on you. That's not on them. Yeah. It's you making sure and holding them accountable to do the job, identifying the key responsible, you know, key results areas you want them to hit, um, putting metrics around it, coaching them, developing, put all the effort you need into in developing those leaders. It will pay off, you know, in multitudes. If you had, if you're a restaurant and you have three awesome restaurant managers, how much easier is your job? If you have three crappy managers, how easy is your job? Both those are way different answers. Yep. And so, it's really important for you as an owner. That's your, that's your primary responsibility is to develop leaders. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Mm-hmm. To the extent it's great, you've got, you got a pretty high ceiling. And to the extent that it's poor, it's going to be a struggle. And so um, if you guys are out there struggling with leadership issues at all, we would love to. I, this is one of my favorite things to talk about. I enjoy it Mine a Mine too. And uh, like I said, please understand, this is still a working process for every absolutely. business. And this is not where we have it perfect and everything, but this is something that we're doing intentionally. Not a destination. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's indefinitely not a destination. <laughs> if it is, man, it feels like it's forever away. Yeah. Uh, and so if you guys struggle with that and want to continue the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach out to us on all of the social media platforms. Uh, leave us a comment or a ra- uh, rating on uh, wherever you're listening to, to, to our podcast. And make sure that you subscribe, if I can use my words correctly. Uh, but if you're on YouTube watching us today, really uh, glad that you got to get a behind-the-scenes look here. Um, again, even there specifically, leave a comment. Let us know how things are going. And uh, uh, as we talked about last week, if you uh, send us a question to one step better at patrickaccounting.com and we, we use your question on the air, we're going to send you a T-shirt. And so uh, we'll have our team reach out to you and, and make we sure that that happens. We need to buy more t-shirts. It'll be fun. Like... So thank you guys. Have a wonderful day, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next time. 